Welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast, where you'll learn all the best tips, tricks, and practical techniques for building the confidence levels you've always wanted. With inspiring interviews, real-life examples, and game-changing insights, this podcast is for women who know that mastering the skill of confidence is one of the most important things they'll ever do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. I am so excited about today's conversation because Anastasia and I have been talking about doing an episode on finances, as this is something many of us women don't have confidence or power around. And with that idea, an incredible woman turned up in my inbox with a topic that completely fit the bill. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce you to Leah Hadley, who is the founder of Great Lakes Divorce Financial Solutions. Leah is a nationally recognized financial empowerment expert and an award-winning financial planner. She is on a mission to provide women compassionate financial guidance before, during, and after a divorce to help them secure financial confidence and independence. You know what? Divorce can be very challenging, but it is usually a bigger financial setback for women who, you know, maybe are not in work or have spent many years of the relationship looking after children. So it's important that women get their own professional advice from someone who is on their side. So Leah, I'm thrilled to be able to talk to you about this topic today and welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Excellent. So to start off with, this is such a fantastic niche that you've carved out for yourself because it's someone that women need to get on their side through this really challenging time and make sure that they're in the driving seat of their own choices around the divorce settlement to make sure that they're set up for the future, right? Absolutely. And it's really great to get some expert insight from you. But before we go into all the questions I've got for you today, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and how you ended up doing this sort of work. Thank you for asking that question. So, you know, I did not set out to be a business owner. I didn't even set out to be a financial planner, to be honest with you. I have my master's degree in education. I was a teacher and I got burnt out in the classroom. I was teaching in Baltimore City Public Schools uh, in a very rough area. And I took a temp job. It was a temp job that was at an investment bank in Baltimore at the time. And, you know, here I was, an educated individual, and I walked into this investment bank, just an administrative temp role. And I felt like everybody around me was speaking a different language. I had no idea what they were talking about. (laughs) Um, And I remember that experience well. And it is a lot of what drives my passion in doing the work that I do because, you know, you feel like you should know. People should all over themselves when it comes to finances. And here I was, you know, I had a master's degree. I was professional and I did not even understand the words that they were saying. I felt like I was learning a new language being there. And I was very fortunate. I got hired on very quickly and really grew up in the equity research department there, got tons of responsibility and was able to really learn what it meant to analyze investments and all of that. But then I was ready to have a family, Jody, and yeah. that work did not lend itself well to having a family. Oh, no. Um, and so I started <laughs> working with families and individuals at a large brokerage firm. But what I found was in that context, there is a certain way of helping people. You know, there's all kinds of compliance, and I understand where all the rules come from and why it exists. 
but it makes it very difficult to support people in sort of outside of the box ways. Right. And divorce financial planning and divorce financial analysis isn't very straightforward. It's not cut and dry. Everybody's financial situation is unique. Their case is unique. How they're approaching the divorce is unique. Yeah. Um, and so it doesn't fit nicely and neatly into a little box. And what I found was that if I really wanted to support people in the way they needed to support and the way mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to support them, I had to go out on my own. Yeah. Um, and so I started Great Lakes Divorce Financial Solutions in 2016, and it has just been an amazing ride ever since. Yes, running a business is a big. We say it's one of the most, <laughs> one of the most incredible personal development journeys you'll ever right? go on, right? Because it's it's less about the work you do and more about everything else around it. But yeah, it's so interesting because finances are that topic that look. It could make or break our life, really. And it is a different language. I completely agree with you. It can be so complex. And there's such a concern out there from people who are a bit, you know, maybe not ethical or when you're dealing with finances, it's just trying to get someone who you trust and who's on your side. And there's lots of people out there from all levels of the spectrum. But we have to be across it ourselves. I mean, it's our money and it's our financial future and it can be the make or break of, you know, whether we're living in poverty or whether we're not, you know. So we have to be across it. That's right. It impacts every area of your life. There's no question about it. Yeah. It gives us choice, right? It really does give us choices. And especially when women have to, you know, sometimes have the add-on of being the main carer for the children, you know, that adds something else. It's not just about us. It's about what we can provide for our children as well after, after that divorce. Absolutely. So we have to be across it. Okay, and we're going to get into all these topics. This is going to be so valuable for so many women out there. But because this is the Confidence Podcast, we ask a couple of questions of everyone, every every guest that we have on. So what does confidence or being a confident woman mean to you? For me, it's really about being authentic. It's about being honest with who I am and really confidently standing in what is meaningful to me, what I value and making decisions that are in alignment with that. Yeah, love it, love it. And when are you the most confident version of yourself? So I was thinking about this before you asked the question and it's it's interesting. You know, I think it really is, I am so passionate about the work that I do. It's when I am working directly with clients and I'm getting the results that I want them to get and I'm seeing the transformation. To me, it just fuels me in such a meaningful way. Yeah. That's where I feel the most confident. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I totally agree. I get the same from coaching, working one-on-one with women. I just feel like I'm in my I feel like I'm in the right place when I'm doing that. It's right. like this exactly. is the real expression of of me. So I can feel that from you as well. Awesome. Okay, so let's get into some of your, like pulling out some of your expertise. So we're always talking about confidence coming from having the right information and being prepared. And I'm sure these are vital things when we're going through a divorce. So how do women access the information they need and what is the most important step a woman can take to increase her financial confidence? This is such an important question. And I would say one thing to just start with is just to recognize 
where you are in the process, whether you're preparing for a divorce, you're in the middle of it, you're toward the end of it, mm-hmm. being very real with yourself about emotionally, how are you doing? Because before we can really talk about the finances and think strategically financially, we do have to kind of check in with ourselves because so much of what people are doing in terms of making big financial mistakes is making emotional decisions. Yes, um, and right. so when we're coming at it, and it's a huge life change, yeah. it is an emotional change. There's no question about that, right? But that doesn't mean that that's the lens that we need to be looking through to make the financial decisions. Yeah. And so being very realistic with yourself about where you are emotionally is the starting piece to even beginning to look at the finances. Because if you're not coming from a place of being objective and taking that step back and recognizing that these financial decisions that you're making aren't just going to impact today or next month or next year, but they can have a lifelong impact. And so acknowledging the importance of these decisions. And if you're not emotionally ready to start to think objectively then it's really, really important to reach out for help. And that help from a financial standpoint doesn't come from your attorney. A lot of times the first thought is, I'm going through a divorce, I need to talk to my attorney. Well, attorneys hire us all the time because they need help sorting through the financials. That's not their role. Their role is to provide legal advice, but not necessarily to think about your life and your financial plan moving forward, right? They're focused on the legality of the case. It really does start with familiarizing yourself with your own financial situation and getting very clear on this is where things stand. Where does the income come from? When does it come in? What do the current expenses look like? When do they go out? What are my assets? What are my liabilities? Getting a very clear picture of what the current state of things are, like however it stands in this moment before you can even start to look forward. Yeah. And really taking stock of what's at stake and really understanding, because I, I agree with you, I've had friends go through divorce and it's hard to even see their future because they had this idea of how the future was going to look. They were going to be with this partner. They were going to bring up children together, blah, blah, blah. And then all of that's changed. And now they're either a single person or a single mother and the future is uncertain. And they've sort of got to get their head around that bit to start having an understanding, like, as you say, take stock of what's here now so that they can make decisions for their future where the future looks completely different to where they were headed, (laughs) wasn't it? It's right. And, you know, there's absolutely a grieving process that goes along with acknowledging that you're going through this big change and things are not what you expected them to be. But it doesn't have to be all bad, right? So I think one of the beautiful things from a financial planning perspective is a lot of times people find that they have to make a lot of compromises when they're married in terms of their goals, their values, you know, what they want for their life. And when you start to take a step back and realize, hey, I'm in the driver's seat now. I get to make the decisions. I get to really get in tune with what matters to me, what's important to me, and make the decisions that are going to impact my own future. There's something really empowering about that. And you can absolutely still be grieving. It's okay to acknowledge that you're missing this, whatever you were dreaming about. 
But you can also, at the same time, create something that you're really excited about too. Yeah, I love that. And it's really putting that idea of, you know, trying to change that victim mentality to, well, I'm in the drive. I run this show now and I get my own decisions and it's never too late to change your life and turn it around. And if you can see it from, you know, the best is still yet to come and you're in the driver's seat to make the life you want now, whether it be emotionally, financially, all those things, it is so empowering. And you might have to learn a different language, like you were saying at the beginning. Like, That's right. It might be confusing, but, you know, you can be 50 and learn to speak Japanese. That's okay. You can do that. That's right. right. You're a strong, amazing woman. You can work this out and it's doable. You just have to sort of be able to get that empowerment back for yourself. Oh, I love that. I love that. So what are the common mistakes though that women make following their divorce that can really cost them, you know, a lot of money? So this is also really important. So what happens when people go through a divorce for a lot of people, and so if if you're listening and this is you, I totally understand. You get through the divorce process, you're tired. Yeah. It's been a lot to get to the conclusion. And a lot of folks do not follow through on all of the things in their separation agreement their final settlement right away and maybe overlook some things, right? But certain types of accounts, certain types of agreements, you can lose very large amounts of money if you don't execute on those things right away. Right. Um, and it. so it's really important. And I encourage people to take their final settlement and to literally just, you know, give yourself some space, but yeah. then pull it out, go through with a piece of paper and create a list of everything that needs to happen as a result of this settlement, if there are accounts that need to be closed, if there's assets that need to be retitled, if there's liabilities that need to be refinanced, just getting very crystal clear yep. on every single thing that was agreed to in this settlement, just make a, a to-do list for yourself. But also, if the other person is responsible for some of these items, put them on the list and kind of you know mark that it's their responsibility. But also, I really like to see in everybody's settlement agreements deadlines around these things. Yeah, so within great. 30 days yeah. of the final divorce, within 90 days, whatever it is, and include that on your list. Yeah. And then start penciling in your calendar when these things are going to get taken care of. Yes. Because it's too easy to just get tired from the process, yeah. maybe not even revisit that final set. Maybe you, you forget about certain things or what yeah. have you. We have a big case going on right now that um, I think these folks got divorced, like, I think it was 2010, so 13 years ago. Wow. And now we have to go back and do the financial analysis because the accounts didn't get divided at the right time. They have all these additional legal fees because now they're fighting over things again that didn't oh, happen goodness, as yeah. a result. Yeah. And there were things that were poorly written in the agreement that unfortunately are making it even more complicated. And it just drags it on. You can't move on. Like you're just still stuck with this burden hanging over your your head of it not being clear. You're not free to move on while you're still dragging, you know, that past relationship with you. That's right. And depending on how things transpired, money can get moved. It can be yes. taken out. It can get spent. It can disappear. Like, yeah. You know, really, it's really important to follow through on all the agreements as soon as possible. Yeah. And I think it's what came up for me just then as well is to have your people who were on your side, but have your people in your corner 
actioning that as well. So if you need to refinance, you need to have that person helping you with the refinance. If you need that, you know, extra, you know, advice around changing accounts, you need those people to support you. You don't have to do it all yourself, right? But you have to be the one instigating to go, right, well, I need to refinance this this home loan or something, you know, get those people on your side that are helping you support doing that. Absolutely. And Jody, for most people, that's not going to be your attorney. And I think that's really important to know. The attorney's role for most cases are done when your divorce is final, right? But these are all the financial things. So folks like myself are really good with helping to coordinate all the different financial aspects that need to happen post-divorce. So if you can find somebody who that's a specialty, and it is important that it's a specialty because every financial institution has their own process, their own paperwork. And so if you work with somebody where this is what they do, they're going to be able to help you navigate it a lot more gracefully. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. When I was preparing for our episode, I loved the article on your website about divorcing a narcissist. (laughs) I know this well because I have a really good friend who has just been through this as her, you know, a good friend. It was eye-opening for me. I really did not realize the extent of the challenge and the complexity of what a narcissist brings to the forefront. So this article on your website really stood out. So what are the important things that a woman in this situation needs to consider and how can she prepare herself for that? Yeah. This is so, so important because, and I'll tell you, I coach in somebody else's program for women who are going through high conflict divorces. And so we work with a lot of people, unfortunately, who are in this very specific situation. And it creates a tremendous amount of conflict because, you know, this person wants to make sure that they appear a certain way to everybody else and feel like they're in control and all of these different things. And lots of financial abuse, lots and lots of financial abuse. And so uh, a lot of women who find themselves in this situation often do not have all the financial information necessary to make good financial decisions during the divorce process. So first and foremost, if you are planning to leave somebody who is a narcissist, take that opportunity before things get started to collect as much documentation as you possibly can, because you may find that it is like pulling teeth to get the documentation once things get moving. But it is really important that you do have a good attorney to help you navigate the situation Mm -hmm. and an attorney who understands and recognizes dealing with this kind of a personality, because there are things that are very different in these cases. It does tend to be a lot more work to get all the financial documentation necessary, but they have to stay on top of it in order, again, to make sure that you're making good financial decisions because a lack of information can have a huge negative impact on the financial decisions that you're making. Working with somebody who is well-versed in divorce financial analysis will be tremendously helpful in helping you to understand, number one, your finances, but number two, your options, most importantly. Yes. And a lot of these people whether they are a narcissist or they are exhibiting some of those traits, uh, personality, yeah, those traits, then um, what you will find is they do different things with finances that are out of the ordinary that you wouldn't expect. Yes. So transfer things into other people's names, hide money exactly. in the thing, lose yeah. documents, accounts that are never really you never really knew about in the first place. I know there's all sorts exactly, of exactly yeah. right, and so it's so important that you have a team of people 
who knows how to navigate this stuff, who knows, Mm -hmm. hey, there's missing information here. We need more information, documentation, who to subpoena, why you need those subpoenas, those kinds of things. But also to really check your own response to this other person, because they will tell you all kinds of different things. It doesn't make it true. It could literally just be to get a reaction from you, which you don't have to give them. That's a choice. You can decide not to give them that reaction. But what I find in a lot of these cases is that the, the person who is really like the one who handled the money plays games and plays games in terms of the words they say and the documentation they provide. And so you really have to not play the game with them, (laughs) not involve yourself, not actually respond to them in the way that they're hoping for, but really rely on the professional team that you have engaged in order to help you to navigate through this with the least amount of drama possible. Yes, absolutely. And I would say, and it's important to get this process underway because (laughs) narcissists, what I have found going through this situation with my friend, I cannot believe over the years how much this person destroyed her confidence. Like Mm -hmm. it was so gradual that by the end, she did not even recognize herself. She had been broken down so much through the lies, through the ego, through the the person telling them how stupid they were. And, and it wasn't just – it didn't go from strong, amazing woman to broken woman overnight. This took years of little things over and over again that I didn't even realise were happening. And often that is what happens with narcissistic relationships is it's all behind closed doors. And – The woman isn't feeling like they can speak about those things, but what it does to the woman's confidence, it changes literally who she is. So it's so important that you get yourself out of these relationships, but you've got to be smart about it. You've got to, and you've got to know that, yes, they're going to play these games because they've been playing them for Years and they do not want you to take back your power. That's the whole thing with right. narcissists, right? They right. want they want to be in control. Their ego is running the show. So as soon as you start taking back control, it is going to inflame that person to play these games, to, to do different things. But it's important to get through this process because the other side, we're now sort of a year through this process with this person – She's just back on track. Like she has her life back and her power back and herself back. So, you know, it was worth all the all the pain, but you've got to take those steps. Get, as you say, get the right people around you that can support you because you don't have to deal directly with these people. You know, it can be through your attorneys, through your lawyers. It can be through other people. You can completely separate away, you know, not have that direct contact if that you know if that's possible it's very confusing when when there's children involved and and those sort of things I give you that yeah but important because you lose your confidence and I couldn't it, it was so hard to watch it was so hard to watch this person just have all her confidence and her sense of self taken away from her but you know what I love that you said, Jody, is that a year later, yeah. she's like a different person and she's standing in her own power. Yeah. And that is such a beautiful thing to hear because so many times 
And if you're listening and you're in this situation, it takes years to recover from some of these relationships. Some of these women really struggle with very serious PTSD as a result of these relationships. And so really committing to yourself and recognizing that there are resources available to support you, but you have to really commit to healing. Um, And that includes taking responsibility for your finances. Because especially if this is an area where you've been kept in the dark, you may not feel very confident in this area. It may feel like something that is very, very uncomfortable to deal with and talk about. But the sooner you face it and deal with it and increase your knowledge, the more empowered you will feel. So that's one of those things where you just don't want to put your head in the sand. Um, If it's something that you're struggling with, the more you commit, to taking care of yourself, the quicker you will get through it. Yeah, absolutely. And work on building your confidence because, you know, our what we say about confidence is that it's that sense that you will handle anything that comes your way. And it is uncertain and things are going to come your way, you know, which is life. Right. But when you're trying to navigate getting out of a really destructive relationship and your confidence is already very low – you know, building your confidence is so important as part of this process because the more that you can get that sense of yourself back and some empowerment, the easier it is going to be for you to heal, for you to take steps by yourself, for you to surround yourself with the people who can help you, for you to feel like you're worth, you know, you're worth having your life back. You're worth having confidence. This is who you're supposed to be. And unfortunately, from for whatever reason, you got yourself into a relationship that didn't support you being the best you. But you must rebuild your confidence in this process so that you yes. can stand in your own, you know, in your own power and make decisions for your future. But you've got to get out of these relationships. It's just, it's so important. And it's going to be long and painful. But when you're away from that person, the healing is so much easier to go through because you don't have that daily person, you know, trying to break you down whose goal is to keep you feeling bad about yourself. It's just, that's my mission. I could talk about this for hours, Leah. <laughs> I love it. Good. <laughs> I just, oh, I detest seeing women broken down like this. So, Anyway, let's keep going. So let's get back to finances. Why is it important that women have their own financial identity and what are the things that they should consider? I think a lot of what I see people really struggling with coming out of a divorce is that they did rely on their partner for uh, financial decision-making, reaching their financial goals. And even it's not even just coming out of a divorce situation you know, loss of a loved one as well, right? Somebody loses their partner unexpectedly and that person was the one who handled the finances or that person becomes incapacitated, that happens. And so you find yourself in one of the most difficult times in your life. You know, all of these life changes that I'm describing are very emotional, very difficult times. That is not a good time to be trying to also increase your financial literacy also establish your financial identity, right? And so if we do that from the start and we make sure that, you know, we understand the income situation, we understand the expenses, we've developed our own credit history, you know, all of the things that we need to do to really be financially independent in the unfortunate event of a divorce or losing a partner or whatever the case may be, Mm. 
it just makes those transitions so much easier for you. And let's face it, life happens. There are going to be difficult things that come up. If you never go through a divorce, that's wonderful. That doesn't mean that you're going to avoid facing one of these situations, right? And so that's why it's so important. And unfortunately, especially with the laws changing and there being less and less support, especially here in the States, depending on what state you live in, There is less alimony. It doesn't exist the way that it used to exist. And we're seeing it go away more and more. Um, And so really making sure that you have a plan for yourself, whatever that looks like in case, right? Because so often people are just completely blindsided that all of a sudden they're faced with the situation and they haven't done anything to really be financially independent. I think that's such a great point. And it's, I feel like it's also, if you're doing that, as you go through life, right? You don't have to wait for divorce, for someone to die. You don't have to wait for the, like you can get some financial literacy or feel empowered about your education around your own finance. You don't have to have a financial degree. You don't have to be a financial planner, but you have to know how much money's coming in and how much money's going out and how much money is your mortgage each month. And and how do we save? And where are our accounts? And can we work this better? You know, can we pay off our credit card differently? You can have that education at all points of your life. It's just about investigating and asking questions and getting some support for people, speaking to your bank about can you do things differently? You know, looking at, you know, I know in Australia we've the interest rates are going through the roof and every single day on the TV there's something about, you know, shop around. Don't stay with, you know, there's probably no loyalty really anymore You've got to shop around. You've got to be savvy and get on the forefront of if you can get a better deal on your home loan or you can get a better deal on your credit card or you can do get a better deal on any of your finance, then go and get the better deal. But you've got to put the work in and be ahead of it yourself. You can't just, you know, the banks are not going to knock on your door and say, hey, you know what? We've got a better deal for you. <laughs> Like that's just not going to happen. You have to be in the driver's seat of that yourself. So I love your points about be on top of your finances at all times of your life and you will have that financial confidence, that financial independence. So when life changes or when you get thrown a curveball like a divorce, like the loss of a loved one, like all these different things, you at least have some foundational understanding about where you're at and and what you can do to to support yourself. Absolutely. And the other thing is, you know, finances, money is a big source of conflict in relationships. Oh my goodness. Yep. And I think that's because we don't have good clear communication around or a system or whatever that looks like for you around making financial decisions, setting financial goals, working together. Yes. When you really sit down and you look at, this is our financial situation. This is what we're working toward. Even if one of you is a spender and one of you is a saver, it makes it much easier to get on the same page because you're both working toward the same thing. But if you've never talked about your goals, if one of you keeps the other one of you in the dark around finances, right, this just isn't a space of open communication. Well, first of all, those are red flags. That's a concern if you don't have access to all of your own financial information. But also, it's going to put a strain on your relationship if it's not something that you all can talk about. And so even when you are in a happy, healthy, you know, married relationship or, you know, a long-term dating, whatever that looks like for you, 
you still want to be in the driver's seat for having, you still want to be financially independent to some extent in that you have the financial knowledge, you are involved in the financial decision-making, you're having these conversations. It's just so important. It's so important. And I'm so on board with that. I mean, my husband and I have been married 16 years, I think this year, before we got married. Now, things have changed, I must say. But before we got married, I was the spender and my husband is a fantastic saver, right? And we absolutely knew, we sat down and we said, this will be what causes the most challenge in our relationship, right? We will fight about money because we're different people around money. And I said to him, you will not understand why I need another pair of shoes. And I love shoes, right? (laughs) So it's like, I don't want to sit at the dinner table once a month with you scrutinizing what's on the credit card. Like that's not going to work. That's not going to work for us, right? So literally we had that conversation before we got married and we set up a system. I had my own little credit card on the side that I could just, you know, buy that pair of shoes, whatever. And I'm still like, I was still sensible. I'm not blowing all our savings or what have you. I'm, you know, we still had our financial goals. We were starting a family. We were paying off a house. You know, we still had our joint financial goals, but the odd pair of shoes, when I have 20 pairs of shoes in the cupboard, I didn't want to have to justify that, right? So, you know, we had a system that prevented a lot of that conflict from the beginning. Now, I must say I've become a much better saver because <laughs> I've got enough shoes. <laughs> Not quite. But, you know, but <laughs> things change as you go through relationships and as you get older and your priorities change and all, all sorts of different things. Now I really value holidays with my children and experiences and different right, things. Right. But you've still got to be on the same page about that, about what you're saving for and is it a priority that you, you know, pay your mortgage off or is it a priority that – all those sorts of things, you've got to have that conversation. And I I love that you've also said if you're not having that conversation and you can't have that conversation, then there's some red flags around that as well. You have to take that. You need to be on top of this yourself and on top of what your habits are and agreeing how you're both going to move forward and understanding if you're a spender and he's a saver or vice versa, how are you going to work with that? Because you've got your different personalities around your finances and that's okay as long as you work inside of that and understand each other's differences. What was so great about your story, Jody, is that you understood yourself in order to be able to communicate that to him, right? So many of us don't even take the time to think about our own relationship with money, our own experiences, how we approach money, to even start to have that conversation with our partner and acknowledging, hey, this is who I am, this is what I'm coming with, how are we gonna work through this? So taking that step to really acknowledge Where are you with money, that relationship? Do you, what What does that spending mean to you, right? And to be able to communicate, that's powerful. Absolutely, it was. And it saved, that system has worked. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> now, lastly, what are some of the keys that women need to consider after their divorce to keep their budget in check? Yeah, so... There's this concept of maintaining the lifestyle post-divorce like that. There's supposed to be enough support to 
maintain the lifestyle. But there's also a reality that if income stays the same and expenses go up, that there's going to be an issue, right? Like, so if you have a two income, one household, and then you have two income, two households, expenses have just probably doubled. Yes. And lifestyle is probably not going to be able to stay the same for the vast majority of people. And that is a very difficult reality for a lot of people to face. But you do have to acknowledge what your financial situation looks like post-divorce and make decisions that are true to that financial situation. Because unfortunately, what happens is a lot of folks decide they want to continue their lifestyle like nothing has changed. And then they end up blowing through their savings. Then they start dipping into their retirement accounts to maintain this lifestyle and then they find themselves in a situation where they have to sell their house or, you know, not being able to retire and these things. And it doesn't have to go that way. It is a difficult thing for a lot of people to recognize that, hey, we have had a change in situation. Doesn't mean that your lifestyle has to change forever. But for some people, they do need to pull back their spending initially to kind of get in alignment with the new income situation and just be very realistic about it. Yeah. And a lot of times I hear people saying, well, he went on this great vacation or he bought the kids this, that, or the other. All right. It doesn't matter. First of all, people spending does not actually reflect the money that they have. They may have the money to spend (laughs) or they may be taking on debt, right? Like you don't know. Stop following people on social media who make you feel bad about what you have or don't have. And just be very realistic about your own personal situation and acknowledging that the decisions that you're making now, again, don't just impact now, they impact your future. Um, And if you want to feel really strong and confident financially going forward, that may mean a reduction in spending now to get to a place that you feel stronger, you have a stronger foundation, you've built up savings, and you can confidently spend maybe like you spent before uh, in the future. Yeah. And I love that it's understanding that the money that people are, you know, using or whatever, that doesn't buy you happiness. It just doesn't. That's right. Like that's not the point. And there's nothing more freeing than feeling like you're in control of your finances. I had a friend who was just, she had debt up to her eyeballs and it was the stress and the lack of sleep and the the daily, can I buy this coffee? Like it was hell. It was absolutely hell for her to be in that situation. So yes, I agree. People want to maintain the lifestyle, but they're not looking at the freedom that comes with being able to sleep well at night, knowing that you've paid all your bills and you don't have someone chasing you, or you can provide that holiday for your children that sure, maybe you're not you know, going to the Maldives and staying in a five-star hotel. Maybe you're going to a caravan park, you know, two hours away or something. The kids don't care. They want the happiness comes with spending time with someone who isn't stressed up to the eyeballs or in so much debt that they're just not coping and you can't sleep at night. That's not happiness and that's not it's not wellness for you either, right? You can't be in that situation. So I think that change in in perspective to go, you know, happiness just comes from me being an empowered wonderful mom or woman that does have the confidence to feel like I'm valued and knows that I'm, I'm not running myself into a debt that I'll never, ever pay off. And the other piece, just to add to what you were just saying, Jody, is that so many people are worried about their kids having a change in lifestyle. They yes. really want to make sure 
they're providing for their kids, or sometimes they're buying even more because they feel bad that their kids are going through this difficult transition. But just keep in mind that however you are spending money, however you're managing money, your kids are witnessing that and they're growing up to learn how to manage money based yes. on the, the role modeling that you're doing for them. And so now I work with several young adults who have a really hard time curbing their spending mm-hmm. because they never had to. Yes, um, They, they always just to. got whatever they wanted. Yes. And now as adults, they're having trouble reaching their bigger financial goals because it's just like a behavioral thing that they're having trouble keeping uh, their spending under control. And so it's okay to communicate to your kids that things have changed yes, and that we're going to make smart financial decisions because financial security is really important and it matters. Absolutely. And that's okay to just be honest about it. Absolutely. I think that's so valuable because it is a learning a learning situation. And the best thing you can give your kids is that education, is that learning. Right. Fabulous. Okay, that was so fabulous, such great information. I know our listeners are going to get so much out of that. Now, we end every episode, Leah, with our Rise Women Power questions. So are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) What do you wish every woman knew? Oh, goodness. Of course, I wish every woman knew how to manage their money with confidence. Well done. I love it. Uh, What is your superpower? My superpower is listening. I have a very, very keen listening ability. Excellent. I love that. Now we're going on to our shoe thing. Are you a heels or a flats girl? (laughs) So I admire all of you heels ladies so much (laughs) and I think they are so beautiful, but I am definitely a comfort person and I love my flats. (laughs) Okay, good. Fair enough. We've had so many. We started this, you know, a couple, this is season three of our, of our thing. We started this years ago with heels or flat and it went to barefoot. We've had um, Wellington boots. We've had um, hiking boots. We've had all sorts of different, everyone feels so different. It. So it's just a bit of fun we have but our, with, our, with our shoe thing. Your favorite quote or rule that you live by? It's the one about a journey starts every, like a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step, something like that. It's just like that concept of just take one step in the direction and you're starting to make progress. Yeah. Very helpful. Very good. Uh, Who inspires you and why? My mom is by far my biggest inspiration. I was raised with a single mom. My parents divorced when, um, I was eight years old and I witnessed her challenges through uh, my growing up and she has just been there for me and for my kids and she is just an amazing person. Love it, love it, love it. And finish this sentence, Leah. If I had even more confidence than I do now, I would... I would speak on big stages. Oh, they've had (laughs) quite a few of those. It's always the one that's like, excellent. Well, we hope you're speaking on big stages and, you know, really break through those confidence barriers and do that because your message is so important and so many women are going to get so much value from the education and the information that you and the guidance that you've you've got for them. So we really hope that you do break through whatever barrier you need to get through to speak on big stages and get your message further out into the world. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and giving up your time to speak with us today. I just love your approach. I love your niche. And we'll put some contact details on our show notes so people can go to your website and get some more information about everything you offer. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. And thank you to everyone for listening today. And remember, there are so many ways that we can help you become the confident woman you've always wanted to be. So please get in touch with us or visit risewomen.com. We want to ensure that confidence is every woman's new normal by getting our programs and resources out to as many women as possible. So until next time, remember, with confidence, anything is possible. Bye for now.